us today to talk about urban forestry in Los Angeles is Nora Davis with the U.S. Forest Service and Michelle Ramolini with the Loyola Marymount University. Michelle and Nora, why don't you introduce yourself and give some background on the work that you are doing in urban forestry in the area of Los Angeles. Um, hi, I'm Nora Davis. I'm a research social scientist with the U.S. Forest Service. I work at the Los Angeles Center for Urban Natural Resources Sustainability. And um, my uh, recent research has really been looking at the intersection of nature and health. Um, a lot of uh, work has been around that lately, and we're, we're doing a few studies on the forests um, nearby Los Angeles, and uh, pretty excited about that. And uh, another study we're doing um, in the past year that we've collected data on both of these is about urban nature uh, tree preferences. So we, have, we present people with different types of trees, and we ask them to sort of sort them where they would place them, on their home lot and the city lot. So just sort of looking at a sort of ecological aesthetics questions um, in the city of LA and private residence preferences as well, since most of the plantable space in the city is on private residences. What about you, Michelle? Tell us a little bit Hi. about you. Yeah, so I'm uh, Michelle Romolini. I am the managing director for the Center for Urban Resilience at Loyola Marymount University, which is here in Los Angeles. Um, and my research, well, our center is, a, is an applied research center. So we work with, um, with NGOs and uh, community groups as well as uh, municipalities to really um, work with them. We call it use-inspired research. So we, um, a, a city comes to us and they have a challenge that they would like to us to collect data to help them make a decision. So we very much are, are kind of embedded in the communities uh, where we work. But my research uh, focuses on um, green infrastructure, but really how humans interact with the environment, from kind of individuals interacting with a park or a, another, another green space, all the way up to um, governance and looking at how organizations interact to manage those green spaces. Um, so currently, uh, one of our projects so I have many, many collaborators. Obviously, I don't have expertise in all of these areas, but um, we collaborate a lot with folks who work on urban forestry. Um, and our collaborators at the University of Vermont have developed this um, really sophisticated analysis of urban tree canopies. So um, high resolution, sub one meter resolution, high accuracy, greater than 95% accuracy, analysis of tree canopy at the parcel level. And that really allows us to better understand um, both where tree canopy is um, compared to uh, you know, many variables like social variables, um, economic variables, but also how it's changed over time um, and at a fine scale. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and my other work is called STUMAP, which is Stewardship Mapping and Assessment Project. Um, and that work actually came out of urban forestry to better understand um, how groups could promote increasing the urban tree canopy. So we can't just do, the city alone cannot increase the urban tree canopy because as Nora said, most of the tree canopy is on residential lands. So we need to partner closely with um, community groups, universities, residents. Um, and so there was this concern that we don't actually know who the groups are that work on environmental stewardship in the city. So um, in order to understand that, 
we first do an inventory of all of the groups working in a certain geography, um, and then survey those organizations, um, and then map their stewardship, we call them TERFs, so mm -hmm. their stewardship territories, okay. to um, get the, an idea of the environmental um, kind of stewardship footprint, we, we call it kind of in shorthand, um, as well as to study their social networks. Mm. So who are the kind of centers of power, who are the centers of information sharing um, around topics such as urban forestry? So for those who have never heard this term before, what is the definition of urban forestry and why is that so critical for LA? Would you like to take the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no. Um, what is urban forestry? So I think, um, I mean, Michelle sort of was alluding a bit to this idea of it mostly being tree canopy um, in a city. Uh, but when I first started my job position with the Forest Service, some people thought about it more broadly. And they were sort of inclusive of parks and not necessarily like green roofs, but, you know, the things that connect where, where trees exist in parks, you know, so the park mm -hmm. itself, therefore, is part of the urban forest. And and uh, some of our actual forests that are directly next to the city of Los Angeles are, don't all, all, they aren't full of tall trees the way you imagine normal forests to be. They're full of some low bushes. And so what a forest is defined as might be a little bit different because of the different climate in Southern California as well to some of the scientists and policymakers. Well, one thing uh, uh, that's very different from other cities that I've worked in is um, just the, the vast amounts of built environment in LA, the concrete. Um, LA is larger geographically than any other city I've worked in. Um, and because of that, well, because of that and the climate, the heat um, can get so extreme in the summer, especially once you get, the further you get away from the coast, um, and so <clears throat> many communities have mostly concrete and very little in the way of green, um, whether that be trees or other green spaces. Um, and then oftentimes these, those same communities have other um, disadvantages, right? Like, um, you know, they, they may have high poverty or, so mm -hmm. these, the these, these mm -hmm. yeah, so these, um, inequities kind of layer on. Um, and so I think LA has both a stated goal, but really kind of a, a social responsibility to move into some of these disadvantaged, um, vulnerable communities first and, and really start to improve the, the um, urban forestry mm. there. Yeah. There was one survey done at UCLA a few years ago about what people across the city felt about uh, trees and why they liked trees, mm -hmm. and it varied depending on climate zone. So people mm -hmm. on the coast weren't as heavy when they like listing trees that had a high shade or cooling factors that they, that wasn't as important. But people that were more inland was like, mm -hmm. please with the shade, like mm -hmm. it's hot and mm -hmm. the sun. I mean, even me every day. I know it sounds whiny, but I'm like, the sun is out every day. You know, <laughs> like give me some clouds. You know, <laughs> so it's just like it's it's a a common feeling, sentiment, I'd say, and also mm. just a health risk long for lots of people currently mm. and mm. definitely in the future. Yeah. 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 I think it's, um, here's Marco coming in now, so <laughs> um, I think uh, this goes back to this whole concept of resilience and, and since that is in your institute's name as well, it's, uh, it's something that I have seen also a lot of um, uh, rising interest 
arising out of that or concern, which is that do we do we tackle all the aspects of uh, those issues and developments and factors that are sort of um, affecting in um, in a not so um, appreciative way to our living standards and living conditions. And since we have this, for instance, here in LA, we have this kind of a I don't know, maybe 80, 90, 100 years of very heavy, as you said, built environment, um, a kind of a magnification mm -hmm. <laughs> that, that means that uh, we have come to the certain point there where, where, the, where this resilience is really a call out, you know, where is the resilience? Do we have that? Or is this whole system about to collapse or something? Because there you get actually these social factors and environmental factors and i would say socioeconomic factors and the environmental factors then when they start to factor in and you get a new equation in a way which is kind of a cumulative result of the past past development um you get to see certain situation where you're starting to really to ask this question are we going somewhere beyond the limits and and if so where does the resilience come from? What do we need to do? What are the, our our ideas of the intervention in that particular place? So, so we saw when we when we talk, were talking some of the city authorities in Melbourne, they have the whole the, also the issue that it's it's becoming increasingly there is this urban sprawl, but at the same time the climate is rapidly changing for the warmer and they need to think about the, the tree canopy thing, they need to think about, okay, this city needs a lot of more shade, first right. of all, mm -hmm. and it needs a different species mm -hmm. as well, right. because yeah. uh, climate is changing yeah. right. and it means a lot to the plant and the trees. So, um, so from that perspective, uh, I would like to ask, what is the topic that is sort of arising out of these kind of a social slash environmental concerns? How, how can we name that? <laughs> I don't know. I, it's making me think of something that a uh, study I would love to do um, with some people who might be smarter than me. But um, somebody just presented at, again at UCLA with um, looking at extreme heat days in the city and and how the trees in the afternoons on these extreme heat days would just fall asleep like usually they photosynthesize in the morning and they photosynthesize in the afternoon like late afternoon mm -hmm. and it, they were only photosynthesizing in the morning and just shutting down for the rest of the day like a long mm -hmm. nap you know mm -hmm. and I was like is this going to be a pattern we see in our health at some point depending on the heat or is that already happening and we aren't measuring it yet sure so just immediately what comes to mind as a challenge um, again I am I've only been working in Los Angeles for six years but I've been doing this work for for um, longer on uh, East Coast US cities um, and LA is so unusual in its geography so if you look at the city of LA um, it's embedded in the county of Los Angeles um, the county of Los Angeles has 88 cities including the city of Los Angeles um, and the city of Long Beach, which are both two of the largest cities um, in, in the country. But, so there's 88 municipalities and then there's the county government. The county government also manages some of the land. Um, some of the land within the, the county is managed by um, state of California. 
So there are some state parks mm -hmm. within the county. Then there's the Forest Service has the national, um, the national forest lands. So decisions, and maybe this exists everywhere, but it, it seems very pronounced here. Um, decisions have to be made at multiple levels and multiple jurisdictions. Um, you know, not to mention then the local communities, of course, within those those large places are very diverse. So one of the challenges I I have seen is really trying to get consensus building um, surrounding certain issues. Or, you know, if there's a policy, how it gets carried out potentially differently depending on the resources of those different communities. Um, so that's a challenge. Yeah. Um, also an opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Because because we have all of these microclimates, you can compare the coastal region with the desert, with you know the the uplands, and mm -hmm. there are these these opportunities to look across. I mean, if we can do it in LA, you know, we can mm -hmm. kind of do it anywhere because mm -hmm. there's so much difference. Mm -hmm. um, so those that's just kind of one of the. Yes, and as we were talking earlier, LA seems to be dealing with all these space inequalities in terms of the small amount of green area that there is as opposed to gray area. Um, I am wondering what your views are on futures thinking and if you have seen any signs of futures thinking approach being deployed within the framework of the urban forest in LA. Yeah, I mean, actually, before the interview, I was reading up on some of this one woman on our on our uh, executive oversight committee named Claire Robinson has come up with this plan called the um, Emerald Necklace. It just came from a technical advisory with committee meeting for uh, them. Okay, yes. great. Yeah, and they, they they are, I mean, future thinking, very visionary about, like, you know, infrastructure and... Uh, and specifically stormwater management from from the mountains to the ocean. Like they see it very, you know, the Angeles National Forest, that's probably one of the few things people see when they're downtown. You still do see like when it's clear enough to see, <laughs> you know, um, but in terms of greenery, like left and right of you, it's it's pretty missing as you were mm. alluding to. But they've, they've laid out really great visions, especially for the east side of Los Angeles in the beginning, and they really represent that, those lower, some, some lower income communities over there, um, San Gabriel River. So it's not just the Los Angeles River. She's always saying in meetings, like, think about this, like these other rivers and think about the connections. And, you know, so, and we just passed a stormwater tax last mm -hmm. November. So okay. there is some movement mm -hmm. towards, to put some more funds towards, um, you know, water quality is going to a lot of different places, but, you know, mm -hmm. trying to invest more in, um, it's always funny to me because, I mean, stormwater and green infrastructure, mm -hmm. I know, are intimately related, but they, they draw upon very different, I think of drains when I think of stormwater management, <laughs> when I green infrastructure, I think about green roofs, but I know they're related with the impervious Correct. services, <laughs> yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, but just the terms themselves mm -hmm. give me different images. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. And Michelle and Nora, you both have done extensive work with community groups through your user-inspired research and the urban canopy mapping tool. What are those key findings that have come out from the work that these grassroots organizations have been doing? I think one of the things that um, we tend to find, I, I just was um, giving a lecture on green infrastructure to um, a class of um, undergraduate students who are going to become elementary school teachers. And I was trying to kind of impart 
how you would teach some of these concepts to young people because I think it's really important to start to get the ideas of nature being in the city um, and also stewardship of, of that nature around you um, and that sense of responsibility. And I, I think one of the things that we notice with our partners who really are directly working with communities um, is just a sort of a disconnect there. Hmm. So even even as simple as you plant the tree and then you forget to water the tree. Yeah. So then the, the tree the tree <laughs> dies, right? Yeah. So um, so this organization Tree People that is located in um, up in, in the in the Santa Monica Mountains. Um, but they work all throughout LA to um, for they've been around since I think the nineteen seventies to increase um, urban forestry trees in LA, but also um, green, and they work a lot on education. Mm. And one of the, they, they did this really great, um, I forget what the term is, but kind of community marketing research oh, project. Community-based social marketing. Yes, yeah, community-based social CBS marketing thing. project yeah. over a year. Um, and, and they went through a series of um, exercises to determine what would remind somebody to plant a tree. And they came up with these, so in LA, car-centric, right? We, we, we love our cars. Um, well, the, the trucks that clean the streets, street sweeping. the street sweeping happens once a week. And you have mm. to move your car from one side of the street to the other side of the mm. street. So they had, they had thought of all these things like, oh, here's a refrigerator magnet that you will say, reminder, water your tree. Um, they thought of other things like, you know, put it on your um, trash can. So every time you take the trash out, you would remember mm -hmm. to water your tree. But then they came up with this idea, hang, put, create something that you hang on your, um, your rear view mirror in your car that says water your tree. <laughs> because a lot of people, they move their car once a week and you're supposed to water a tree once a week when it's getting mm. established. Mm. Um, so I think some of it is really the education piece, but you know, the, the stewardship, because we can get the trees in the ground but, you know, the right tree, the maintenance, um, mm. the long-term care, seeing these, mm. these, green, these green spaces and trees as, as us being part of them, right? Mm. We're humans. We're nature. <laughs> this, this, is, this provides, you know, mutual benefits. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we need to get there. Yeah. Is, there is there something like, uh, because we've seen this happening in different parts of the world, uh, that uh, and in some of the countries, it's actually uh, uh, some of the countries. It's um, it's sort of a longer tradition, like in my country, actually, where you have this kind of a community gardens right. yes. in the middle of the city. In some of them, we, uh, like we found one in uh, Manly, uh, Sydney. There was a right right in the middle. Uh, a, a, a good piece of land and people have committed to, to take care of that and they have different plantations and you could have your own little spot there where you put that. Um, in my country, for instance, they have this kind of a, every, people can hire from the city this kind of a plot of land, maybe with a little hut as well. And that's also, the idea is it's in the city, mm -hmm. it's not outside, it's right. in the city. And they are like a kind of a little bit like a green oasis, which which are in the city, maintained by by people, right. and uh, even if it's a even if it's a land owned by the city, but they sort of hire it out. So, and I was thinking when you 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 guys 
uh, have been writing about the stewardship and doing work on that. Uh, uh, how do you see that? Isn't isn't that? Uh, it's not only that we have these groups of people who are interested in 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 sustainability and in green stuff, but it's it's actually the reciprocal process where actually city empowers by the means that it has actually these these groups to work. So uh, so this is probably something of an idea, but where do you see currently that, that, that the city, I mean, awareness inside the city kind of authority uh, is standing right now? Well, we do have community gardens. Um, yeah. There's one, gosh, it's right on. They're competitive to yeah, get into. Very, very, very competitive <laughs> to get into. Um, but as far as, you mean the city kind of ceding power to community groups mm -hmm. to manage the land? Yeah. I, I think that, I think, well, that's a good question. Because I think it's welcome in some arenas, right? It's mm -hmm. welcome when um, the groups are getting volunteer efforts um, and getting messages out about policy changes and those types of things. But actual land management, mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't know as much about that, mm. honestly. Yeah, I was thinking, I mean, some of the, like, picking up from the study a little bit, because they were working a lot with not just trees and people, uh, trees in people's yards, but in the easement, right, which is owned, managed by the city, the sidewalks, right, are managed by the city. So some people see those areas as part of their yard, and other people don't, you know? Mm. So there's a very confusing connection with your stewardship behavior in that mm. public private space because some of it is yours some of it's theirs and it's like mm. a few feet um so i think it's uh i think that they the city is uh, tries to educate about that especially with street trees like no like mm. if, if something happens here you have to water you like we need you to help us with this um so i think that they're they would be interested in it in that regard um and but in terms of them promoting it like in some kind of systematic way at this point mm. i'm not sure if they are but mm. i know i mean we mm. just went through i think i was uh, saying a little bit about this urban forestry management plan mm -hmm. in the city of downtown, the city of Los Angeles, and they that so there is a rising um, mm -hmm. rising uh, interest and and really a great notice of it sort of um, widespread across the city and within that there was a big survey done actually and and I was just looking at some of the results and we were talking about whether it's as important as other infrastructure they ask like is is our trees as important as other kinds of infrastructure which LA is so intimately familiar with. Um, and it was just like the number of, of zip codes that said like, yes, screaming, yes, like this is just as important to me, you know. It was a, a nice, beautiful, dark green map of people really saying how much they cared. But I think it's a matter of engage, like community-based social marketing is such a beautiful tool because it engages in the lo like local context. Mm -hmm. And like so varying, like people's physical constraints in certain mm -hmm. places or cultural, you know, practices or daily behaviors or habits, like they really try to get into that in different neighborhoods. In LA, it really is, even though it's 88 cities, it's like 400 neighborhoods. Right. People are very neighborhood-oriented. Right. So mm -hmm. it would be, that is something I think that was, it's always inspiring about that method, but seeing it, like implemented here, I was very grateful to see it and like be reminded of that process. Yeah, and and of course when you when you think about lagging communities or those underserved, mm -hmm. um, you would think that okay, uh, how do you t move from having uh, uh, communities that are struggling to ma make ends meet, and at the same time sort of like uh, make them or uh, ask them to right. contribute to 
making community greener. Um, so what's the connection there? Mm. How, how do you move them from one point to, to the other? I mean, uh, well, I think it's extremely important to meet people kind of where they are. So if you're asking somebody, you know, we, we talked about it a little bit earlier, but like kind of matching the benefits of the improvements to the community rather than coming in with a grand idea about how you might improve it. I think it's really important to go in to communities at, you know, at the community meetings and ask them what they want, you know, first. Mm. Um, because I think there's more of a sense of ownership and, and mm. you know, mm. those small improvements can kind of leapfrog, I think, Isn't into... the results in Baltimore, like, about how an area that people might not have expected groups to be as strong were stronger than... Yeah. And I, know, I don't know if that's replicated in L.A., but, but I just thought that was great. But is, is that really happening? Is there something like a town hall meetings where people are asked about, what do you want with your environment? Yeah, so, I mean, we do work with... Um, community groups we actually had a contract recently so in in the city of Los Angeles um, every neighborhood has a neighborhood association mm -hmm. and they receive a small amount of money from mm -hmm. the city government mm -hmm. um, they mm -hmm. have a budget every year um, and they have an elected voluntary board mm. um, and then they have you know monthly monthly meetings that are in at a time when most people can attend them usually in the evenings um, and uh, we oftentimes will go and present a proposed project to the community, and the community will say, you know, well, we're not sure that we want that this way or this way or this way, and they offer us feedback on how that might, um, on how the, how the project might be better serve them, basically. So our work, you know, just as an example, I don't know if this is happening on a large scale, but I think there are groups that do go to these meetings, including my, you know, my um, university center, and um, have that participatory research, right? So it's it's not just us coming in with an idea or studying a group and then taking the results back and you know putting the paper out into the scientific journal, but it's actually. Here's a, a usable set of tools, including a report, mm -hmm. but um, I think that way mm -hmm. is a way to actually improve, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. and to build on. Um, mm -hmm. on um, and and how, how roughly how many people are we talking about when we think of when we talk about this these underserved communities in terms of population? Are we? Mm -hmm. um, I, we know that roughly LA is four million people. Um, I. Is, is there a number there that, that we that's could a, sort of... That's a good question. I don't have those. Um, we, we have a... Um, is it the state of California that does the disadvantaged communities mapping? Yeah, the layer. Right, yeah. So yeah. we have a mapping tool that actually looks at multiple metrics. Um, including like environmental quality. Environmental quality right. and, and um, uh, uh, income and, and um, you know, various metrics public health I think is one of them and puts together a sort of score mm -hmm. right of disadvantaged communities which is honestly a problematic term in and of itself um, to, to kind of deem these communities disadvantaged but it's the the, the language that's currently being used um, and so funding for for certain programs is directed first towards 
right. um, those communities. Um, right, and the sort of state climate change funds, like, yeah. you know, California is kind of excellent in that regard. Where I mean, they probably could do more, for sure, but yeah. they're unique in some of their climate change uh, mitigation funds that, that, like, okay, projects, go do a bunch of projects, but don't just do them anywhere, you know? It's like, you know, mm-hmm. try to... Mm. There's a social justice element, at least partially, in it, yeah. Mm. So what, what exactly is the vision there, in your view? What do you have... What 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 do LA wants to accomplish with this? Uh, in in as a, as a city, where are they moving towards? Do they want to sort of uh, become uh, more environmentally conscious, or is it more that they want to tackle your social uh, inequality uh, gaps that you have, or what is the vision there? I, th- I mean, I think both in, in you know, in, in um, the promotion of, of some of the plans of the future, right? So there's a, um, a lot of work being done to, um, to revitalize the L.A. River. Um, as you may know, the L.A. River was channelized um, and uh, lined with concrete. So the, the channel basically could, to prevent flooding, because mm. L.A. suffered from severe catastrophic flooding. So our U.S. Army Corps of Engineers uh, did some massive engineering projects to uh, to get the water basically when we had these enormous um, rains because of the way that our climate works. We have long periods of dry, of drought, and then we have these sort of intense, really um, strong rains for, for multiple days usually, and these floods, um, you know, caused economic and mm. social devastation. When, so, when did this happen, roughly? When was that the mid last century, yeah. middle of last century. Yeah, I want to say so. Mm-hmm. The mid mid nineteen hundreds. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, there's been a, a pretty large effort towards greening, um, creating soft scape along the bottom and taking out some of the concrete. So there's definitely a vision for, that's the one that I understand the most. I've seen the plans. Um, There's a vision for the LA River, um, which extends, this is another, you know, commentary on how LA is um, not just the city of LA because the LA River ends in the city of Long Beach and Mm. starts um, up in the Angeles National Forest. Long. Yeah, it's very long and it winds through. But and and some parts are soft bottom, but many parts are are channelized, um, and uh, and lined with concrete. And so there's this gorgeous. There's all these gorgeous renderings of the LA River right. revitalization, and it includes, um, you know, places where people can gather and you know a bike path. And then as these plans have started to been in in parts of the along the the river they have started to be implemented um, kind of project by project there's also been this uprising of concern about um, affordable housing and displacing people so if you revitalize this river and now it becomes an attractive place to live but what happens to all the people who could afford to live there right um, and, you know LA is already you may know but it's one, it's, it's, it's housing is is an enormous a issue. Mm. Um, yeah, mm. so so I would say both, um, at least with some of the projects I'm familiar with, 
um, there's an idea to, to kind of look holistically at, mm. yeah. um, mm-hmm. I mean, people often say quality of life, like on a lot of mm-hmm. vision statements that people mm-hmm. have been working on lately, it's always like, <laughs> they want it, they try to capture a lot of things with like mm-hmm. quality of life mm-hmm. or, you know, sort of quality of the environment mm-hmm. and quality of life or human health and natural health, mm-hmm. you know, there's, mm-hmm. I mean, from the federal level down to the city level, those, the pairings of like, you know, the health for nature and the health for people mm-hmm. is very... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, very strong yeah. but it's it's of course a, it's something that also when reading your uh, articles becomes obvious that when uh, when uh, when you have people who are basically kind of a more like a struggling for their survival uh, it's obvious then that <clears throat> they are more interested in their very basic needs rather mm-hmm. than uh, this kind of recreation and, and mm-hmm. all that so that's really obvious and quite human to to think in those terms, and that's mm-hmm. why it's really good to tackle those both things sort of simultaneously, so that you cannot go and say that okay, now the most important thing is to, mm. to have a park when right, right. when exactly. when when you are struggling. Mm. So that's uh, that's uh, that's something, and 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 so they needs to go hand in hand, and and um, and when you mentioned the housing, I mean we were talking to the city of Vienna. Mm-hmm. And you know one of the things that they have done, which is remarkable, is that the 65 percent of the, of they of, of of where people are living, the mm-hmm. housing and apartments and flats are actually um, uh, supported by the city. Sixty-five percent subsidized. Yeah, subsidized. Wow. Yeah, that's but a remarkable percentage. That, yeah, yeah, that's remarkable, and that actually like five to 10%. The, the history of that is that mm-hmm. it. You know, mm. Vienna and and the whole Austria is actually at the center of Europe. Mm-hmm. And after the Second World War, there was these huge migrations uh, coming uh, here mm. and forth, and and uh, and and it was uh, it was a way how they could kind of enable people to to be able to stay somewhere. Mm. But interestingly, as the time moved forward, they found that actually it's it's a very good investment for the city. So uh, mm-hmm. Vienna is known yeah. to be one of the most vibrant cities in Europe, right. and 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 they see how the money is flowing in when they put their own investment there, and so that's uh, that's that's also kind of a more holistic right. way of, of looking at you know yeah. where you where yeah. you need to put your focus and your resources and what do you get out of there, yeah. and so uh, and since we all know that uh, uh, the social issues are something which are not going to go away. Actually, in fact, there are a lot of statistics to show that they are worsening in terms of the uh, income differences and all that. Mm-hmm. So uh, so certainly we will see how the cities will do um, a need to put some more focus on that. And from our point of view, if we look at kind of an environmental sustainability perspective, it's absolutely necessary that we don't leave that out, but we see that when, once there is a certain focus there, that enables also this real green development to occur because we are kind of a, enabling people to, 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 to start to appreciate those, those aspects, which of course we know ha- right, are so right, important right, for right. the quality of life, but, uh, but it all only happens when, when they don't have to struggle with the immediate 
I know. I mean, some people like talk about like cardiovascular issues. You know, I know in one city in Louisville, Kentucky, they're doing a big uh, green infrastructure um, intervention there, which is like a very large scale. Actually, they're planting 15,000 mature trees in a community that is very like you know high risk and lots of health issues, especially. And the center behind it is a cardiovascular research center, collaborating with the city. And so they're going to take a lot of samples before do this huge installation, <laughs> measure air quality and other things as mediators, and look at some outcomes afterwards, because um, those are also very, yeah, uh, high-risk trends, yeah, mm. I'd say. So, yeah. yeah, and I think there's some efforts, um, and don't necessarily, I, I may be incorrect here, but there's a, a program called Safe Routes to School. Um, I know that it's in the city of Los Angeles. I think there's a program in Santa Monica. I don't know if it's a California statewide program, but um, it's basically kids walking to school. Um, you know, because of the cars, you want safe routes to school. But also paired with that, thinking about you know making the routes that kids will walk to school um, have trees on them, and you know, so that kids have these sort of healthy. So thinking of our vulnerable populations, Including you know, children, right, children yeah. and the elderly, um, right? I mean, them really uh, raising the, yeah. the environmental quality for for, for them, because um, I think kids tend to suffer from asthma and, yeah. and obesity at, at really high rates. Um, and it's funny, you know, I was just yeah, somebody. There was yeah. also some a study done right when uh, Mary Garcetti started about who's using the streets the most. Mm -hmm. And it was, yeah, some of it was the, uh, the, the kids and, you know, something like, in certain communities, 90% of school kids walk to school in Los Angeles. And, um, or, if, uh, anyway. Um, but one of the things that they also found was, I'm just making a bit of a joke, because Michelle and I are both new moms, and, like, new mothers are also very, like, <laughs> use the sidewalks more than yeah. a lot of other people. <laughs> walking kids in their, you know, push chairs or their whatever, yeah. <laughs> Their stroller, so it's you get to know what sidewalks are nice or what, what trees are, you know, what shaded areas uh -huh. to block the sun from the baby's face or whatever. Mm. So anyway, it's, so it's just interesting to think about mm -hmm. it. Um, mm. It's different, yeah, communities that need support, but I think, mm. yeah, children. No, I'm. It is. It's a. I think it's nationwide safe routes to school. Okay. And uh, no, I was I was trying to get a study together to look at some of that to see what how are the green, you know, what what does it look like on some of these routes? But it's hard to hard to get data on what the routes mm. actually are. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, a, but it's very interesting to actually, would ask this question that you know how how do the kids experience. Mm -hmm. they 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 emitted environment and right. what other kind of things that they put their attention to and and I know some studies that have been do that have been done I know a couple of researchers who's working with this kind of a fear mapping mm. so that you can you can map the city you know by the by the amount of the fear yeah. different mm -hmm. age group are actually experiencing wow. and I think that's a that's something that we should be doing more because that there you get to the kind of the sources yeah. of uh, you know how to make people have uh, well, areas com yeah. comfortable yeah. and secure yeah. and safe. Because yeah. you were when you had this uh, uh, research done on on this one park area here, and you right. were asking uh, you know what what are the kinds of things that people feel feel good about it, and then there was this secure. Are there places that you yeah, avoid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And also, yeah, so it's kind of a both where you feel safe and where you don't feel safe, right. and what is it that makes this difference? Mm -hmm. I think this is uh, this is because this is directly kind of a uniting this social and environmental 
aspect into into one which is a human experience mm -hmm, actually mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I think we should we should sort of more go into that because then we would have a lot of low-hanging fruits there also that there might be areas that you know people just don't like there I know in even in our small university city that there are areas that people just don't like mm -hmm. yeah and when you go and look at that there's usually the, the kind of areas that a they have no green yes uh -huh. but they are also socially empty yeah and right. just those two factors yeah. in and yeah. then you then you get to create yes kind of your, mind, uncomfortable. your mind talks to yourself right yeah <laughs> right yeah and I think that goes back to why it's so important to before you decide well parks are good for a community so let's mm. put a park mm. you have to go and ask the people who live around where mm. the park would be mm. what would you like to see what would you use yeah because we've heard um, in some of our research um, that people don't go to parks because they're scared that's mm. where crime they don't want parks in their community because that's where crime may happen and mm. you know um, they don't necessarily want you know, overgrown, or they don't want vegetation because they think it'll be overgrown and mm. places where people will hide behind and do drugs, yeah. you know, and so, yeah. um, and some of it's perception, but some of it is, is reality that, that people have mm. seen mm -hmm. um, in our park study, the one that you just mm. referenced. Um, we, the, the, folk, um, the organization that we worked with is the managing um, organization of parklands that it's they're all they're all adjacent to each other it's a park system but they're managed by it goes back to my earlier comment yeah. um, uh, two cities the county and the state manage own different parts of these parklands mm. but they they so come together the same, the same it might be called this like the same name park like one name yeah. park and there's four or five mm -hmm. different agencies so the, that are yeah so the ownership is collaborating mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. they came to us and and um but they, in order to make a decision, they have to agree, you know, as a, as a board. Um, but um, kind of, anyway, to my point, they, they came to us, and one of the questions they had was, um, how are people entering the park? Because there was some concern from neighbors that um, kids were going in and drinking and mm -hmm. using um, kind of informal entrances or, you know, and... And we, we didn't find too much evidence of it. We actually put up um, um, game cameras that are used to capture wildlife, mm -hmm. to capture motion through the park entrances or non-entrances. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we didn't see too much um, in the way of kind of nefarious behavior. But, um, but that just that alone helped kind of alleviate some of the concerns that people were having yeah. yeah but some of the neighbors came up to us while we were doing this study and, and they were like what are you doing you know we don't like this park it's brought all these people to our neighborhood um and you know they they stand on our lawn and because mm -hmm. you know the, it's the yeah. neighborhood park and it's no really it's funny i mean again with this like like housing and economic situation in, in los mm -hmm. angeles and lots of other places but mm -hmm. i think we're one of the, like, I read some depressing statistic about how, you know, first world capital of homelessness or something. Yeah. So, um, but that's what, even during my tree preference game, somebody mentioned this only one, one once or twice, uh, somebody was playing the game and they said, oh, you know, whether they would want, oh, actually, want fruit trees in their yard or not and where they would place them was depending on who they would want to use it. Sometimes they were feeling very 
pro-social and giving to the people who didn't have land of their own and food. Mm. And they wanted to put the trees in places that they were accessible. And other people were saying, oh, if I put a tree in my yard or if there's going to be nature near me, it might attract people that aren't that I don't want in my neighborhood. Mm. So it was just this... Yeah, for the shade. Yeah, yeah. I mean, anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Again, the intersection of these larger concepts, yeah, yeah. just in this small, yeah, yeah. like in yeah. a tree. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I, I think I think what we need to think, uh, since in the real life, these these social environmental aspect is so much, so many ways kind of a uh, um, um, uh, integrating uh, is the following. Uh, I take one example. Um, do you know what type of uh, um, social uh, uh, vehicle for transport and mobility is the most equal. Mm -hmm. now, apart this from your hard. feet. This is hard. Apart from your feet. Yeah. Oh, I wasn't sure about feet even. <laughs> and that's actually a hard fact uh, from urban conditions. That's tram. Hmm. It's the most equitable. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's most, and, and it's been, that's been shown time and again that tram has this kind of a connotation that whatever class you belong to, mm -hmm. you, you, you can use tram. Mm -hmm. This is true. Even those people that normally would mm -hmm. never go to the bus, never go to the train, but they can go to the tram. Why is that? Uh, tram is, first of all, it's kind of a... Um, um, inoffensive so it doesn't it it mm -hmm. has this kind of a mm -hmm. amiable form it it's kind of a uh, uh, it's it's um it's not invasive it's not invasive that's the right form mm. and, and 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 second is that it's it's uh it has its sort of its its own space but it's always at the heart where things happen mm -hmm. so you don't have to go into the shade so to say you are there and uh, and it it gives mm -hmm. a little bit of an idea of the community because people normally more than in with any other vehicles they're kind of hopping in and out of course underground citizen but but this is this is one thing also it's not threatening because it's on the ground right. apart from right. you know kind of a uh, unlike the, the 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 metros and that kind of a stuff so it's it's there so that's why a lot of cities that pushed away trams mm -hmm. in the 70s and 80s when we lived those times that everybody yeah. just wanted to devote everything for the cars and now they're coming back on these schemes yeah. okay yeah. let's bring the tram back because yeah. that kind of a, that builds this kind of a social cohesion That's interesting. and I use this as an example because we need to think in what type of the greening initiatives would do the same, the same thing. Right. Yeah. Okay. What are the equalizing mm. green kind of a development? Yeah. No, I mean, mm. I mean, just mm. taking from what we're, I mean, something that just makes me think of more of the like green facades and, mm. and you know, like, because they, they have to be maintained, right? So they can't be overgrown and turned into sort of fear producing. I don't know. There's just a the, quick yeah, thought, exactly. you know, like, yeah. rather than other things that require maintenance or require stewardship on the individual, like mm -hmm. a building owner would be most would be responsible for that, and that is there's something reliable in that to some extent. So, mm -hmm. um, but and then it, and it's and it's walking down the street, you would that would be if it was more widespread, that would be more accessible than having to navigate to a park or get to a park to get your nature, right? The accessibility mm -hmm. of it, mm -hmm. but. But I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That was just a just mm -hmm. a quick thought. But that's mm -hmm. a great question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
and, and now that we are at the end, so Michelle, you have, you have, uh, you, you would like to say something? I was just thinking about Los Angeles and and back to kind of the challenges and the tr the idea of a tram and the idea of building community, and if we try to start to get cars kind of out, um, one of the challenges is it's such a big place. Like it's almost like it is 400 neighborhoods, but you still work way over there. Your neighborhood where you live is here. Where mm -hmm. you work is, you know, maybe, you know, okay. 30, 40 miles away. And then also, even if it's 10 miles away, it could be two hours away mm -hmm. if you're stuck in traffic. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I, I love this idea of, mm -hmm. of trying to kind of build these hubs again. And, and um, maybe part of it is just the fact that the future really does involve a lot more potential for telecommuting um, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and I think places where mm. maybe the municipal, municipal employees could have housing subsidies to kind of mm. live mm -hmm. where they work um, and with know, all the collaborations just, we need though I mean there's some evidence that you have to yeah. be with each other in order yeah, to get no, that's true. <laughs> but it's true it's hard yeah that's interesting <laughs> or in our new trains that should, I know they, they incorporate low-income housing along you know like like housing oriented development near the train systems um, that they're building out now, but uh, I don't I don't know the extent the green infrastructure is considered. Mm -hmm. And if that's if the tram is the great equalizer of transportation, then mm -hmm. can we maybe we should just jump on board, and get yeah. our greening along those. Yeah. So, are there any signs that LA is trying to move away from cars? And have you seen anything like it? Well, we just got a, <laughs> had an announcement this morning about a congestion. Oh, con tax. yeah, congestion charge on the west side. So, uh, in the, on, in our sort of neighborhood where we live and where we are right now, mm. um, there is there is a proposal for a congestion charge to reduce car use on sort of this part of the larger county of Los Angeles. So nothing, not, yeah, that's that was something moving away from car use. But we know in 2012 we passed. There was a measure passed to improve public transportation, building more of these above ground, mm -hmm. not super fast trains, you know, like, <laughs> and not the commuter trains, the sort of local, mm -hmm. it's all above ground. Yeah, I'm like, is it a tram? I mean, I guess I would, I'm not sure if I would call it that. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, I've been thinking about that. Kind of that. a tram, maybe? Kind of a, <laughs> kind of a tram. I'm hoping it's a tram. <laughs> we hope it serves the function yeah, of what you're saying. But I, yeah, I think yeah. that I think that, that was the, I think it might be, yeah. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. That's its goal anyway, I think yeah, so. Right. And what is the congestion uh, uh, charge all about? It's basically to, you know, charge, I mean, I, I don't know exactly how it would work. I think it was $4.40. $4, that's the number yeah. I saw. <laughs> I saw $4 and something, yeah, to, um, to drive into... You know, I guess there'd be a certain boundary yeah. kind of drawn. You drive in, in order to drive in, you would pay this charge. And they really made the circle around areas that you can get public transportation very easily. Like this mm -hmm. new tram has been built. I live. It's in my. It's really. It was drawn a square, like right around my neighborhood. <laughs> really calling me out, really. Um, <laughs> but I can easily get to the train, or there's buses everywhere. You know, it's very accessible mm -hmm. to get on public transportation. So there might just be increasing some pressure in mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. Regard on the local resident. I'm not sure. Exa I mean, it was it was just the past few days, so I haven't read mm. enough about it. And then our mm -hmm. state um, governor, who was elected um, in November, is very progressive. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that mm -hmm. there's going to be a push mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. you know the mm -hmm. state level, um, maybe some funding mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. some sort of incentive mm -hmm. programs. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. we shall see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. People like their electric cars in Los Angeles too. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think uh, we need to soon uh, start to finish. But 
I would I would like to take the one uh, real environmental aspect of of the holies, and 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 this is something that has to do of the phenomenon that we all know about, which is which is the global warming and climate change, which is not only about the the warming of the atmosphere, which is actually be, be getting more extreme weathers, whether we want it or not, this is going to happen, and this we are already seeing those patterns actually uh, taking place. So, uh, so that means that uh, this kind of a—it's uh, not only about the ad adaptation or mitigation; it's it's really about the preparing mm -hmm. to the to the climate, which is much more, uh, I would say adverse to, 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 to humans while we are ourselves inducing that but that's that's a different thing but but um, but in terms of building this kind of a uh, uh, sort of an anticipation and, and making people to understand um, I talked to a lot of people actually in Santa Barbara which we and around those areas um, last year when when we did some other research where we were looking at you know what how the how the people are building they um they sort of a capacity to understand what's going on and that was at the time when there was this uh, massive fires um going on in ventura and 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 elsewhere so so the question to you is that uh, where do you see i mean you guys are very environmentally conscious, but I don't take you as an average person to to uh, understand the kind of the necessity of, of taking serious steps to to do something about it. So, where do you see this kind of awareness uh, being either on the kind of a kind of a authority level or or in the just a kind of a people on the street level here? I think it's people tend to be very aware when a wildfire happens and then it seems to lessen pretty quickly um, it seems like there's a lot of conversation about um, you know preparedness and those types of things but then there's also this sort of I don't know if it's an American thing of just like all right let's pull up our boots and rebuild mm -hmm. and so we just keep building in the same places where um, these massive floods are happening and these massive fires are happening and um, I don't know if you're familiar with our um, our insurance system but our if you have house and home insurance and your house is in a disaster area the the insurance pays for you to rebuild your house only it does not pay it does not just give you money that you could then move so basically, there's this incentive to mm. keep rebuilding in these mm. places. Um, so I think we need kind of a massive rehaul of of some of our economy system. I mean, I think at the administrative level, there's there's efforts and awareness, mm -hmm. there's research about the mm -hmm. complexity of all these mm -hmm. sy systems interacting sure. and and mm. how we're going to combat it and what ways we can, but. And at the individual level, I know in environmental psychology there used to be, I wonder how it's shifting with like people being more aware of just like perceiving climate change, you know, like, oh, it's raining, it's a little hotter this year, it's raining, and then they map that against like real trends in climate mm -hmm. and perceptions and, and climate seem like, even if they're not scientifically accurate, oh, I haven't been testing this for 10 years on myself, but mm -hmm. 
that is that's hopeful in my mind that people are perceiving it at a, at, a, at that scale, and um, and but it, with natural disasters, at least there's I know at least of papers when I got my master's. I'm not sure what's happened since then, but that a lot of people, if they've been through one, they also feel like a sense of resilience, like oh I've you know like they might not leave yeah. or that mm-hmm. that whole thing mm-hmm. that they're. Um, they're tougher for it. You know, I mean, they are mm-hmm. implicitly, mm-hmm. but in terms of how to how to shift behaviors mm-hmm. or, or increase, you know, fire protective mm-hmm. behavior, I certainly think there's a lot, there's a lot of intersection with the Forest Service and other folks working on some kind of with, around residences and and and, uh, and behavior. But it's very complicated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, we are coming to the end of our program, and I want to thank Nora and Michelle for joining us today for this very insightful conversation. And before we go, I just want to ask you uh, one last question. If you were to be able to change something about Los Angeles, what would you do for LA to change it? Water. I would just create water. (laughs) Thinking of that movie, Mad Max. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I'd like to see... um, I'd like to see the the vision of um, of some of the the people who are working here, like the woman you mentioned earlier from Amigos de los Rios. But this this vision of a green city, I'd like to see it realized with connected green corridors and mm-hmm. you know canopy where it makes sense to have canopy and green buildings. And um, just when you see these beautiful renderings of what what a place could look like filled with green infrastructure, mm-hmm. that would be what I'd like to see. My dream is to have a much more walkable, bikeable, um, community-based city. This concludes our episode, Urban Forest in Concrete Jungles, The Case of Los Angeles. Thank you for listening. See you next time.